0: Hi, and welcome to Women's CEO in Reflection. I'm Marisa Jones, and I'm joined by my co-host Neil Haley. Today we have an exciting guest, and I'm excited and I'm excited to, to have a conversation with her. Kayla Hicks is the founder, president, and CEO of Sustain Equity Group, a nonprofit organization dedicated to fostering professional equity for Black women in violence prevention, justice, education, economics, the arts, and other fields. SEG's flagship program, UTrain, provides trauma-informed leadership development, training, mentoring, and networking opportunities. Welcome to the show, Kayla. Hi, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. So, I'm um, really interested in the type of work that you're doing. Um, you know, my background is I was, you know, I was raised by you know, the, uh, in a domestic violence situation, and so anything that's trauma-informed and any kind of education around that. Um, Is something that that I I really care about. So tell me a little bit about how you got into, um, you know, forming your company and and what made you what what gave you the drive to to create this organization?
1: Um, Well, I believe the drive is is that, you know, what's important to me is learning uh, how to prepare others for trauma. Um, Whether it's working in trauma or living with trauma or getting through trauma, uh, and especially for those who don't have the access um, to resources to put things in practice and understand what it means to apply what you learn. Um, what encouraged me to get into this is I was working in the gun violence prevention movement since 2013. And when I got into the gun violence prevention movement, also known as the GBP movement, there was no one that I could go to as a woman of color uh, to bounce off ideals or get any mentoring. And I just began to realize that there was this gate. There was like this huge gap in uh, leadership for black women in a space that was dominant for them. I mean, when we talk about gun violence, you typically hear more about uh, community violence, gang violence, but, you know, you're not exposed to the harsh realities of what gun violence, like what is the root causes of gun violence? What does it look like? And that was very um, inspiring to me to stay working in that space and start building others up and building others out and to make a difference. I knew that we were going to not just have to have policymakers um. Thinking about social and economic inequalities that were the root causes of gun violence, but we're going to have to have the community understand what that meant and let them know that poverty and and inequalities and, you know, just underfunded uh, public housing and and resources, all those things that were impacting them were contributing towards uh, the violence and that we want to start advocating for ourselves in a sustainable way. And uh, it's really hard to be a Black woman and in a nonprofit space and not be used as a prop like the help or a hidden figure. Um, I got tired of that nonsense and I'm not one of those easygoing people that sits by passively and watches, you know, what we call the underdog or people that um, are vulnerable get, get used. And so I was inspired uh, and encourage and supported in the space I've been advocating since I was 15 because of my own story. But I guess we'll get into that later. But I, I was driven to get into it by my experiences and seeing that there was a gap that needed to be filled. I am the research. I had the education. I have the expertise. So one- hey, that's so interesting. You talk about that. Now, you said the experience and the expertise putting that all together in an area where there's not many women involved what were the major challenges once you got involved in well we'll just start with a small list and we'll maybe follow up on another um, call or you know show with you guys but um, the biggest challenge is is helping people that don't understand the culture or don't understand Uh, the struggles and challenges that black and brown communities have. The biggest challenge is to get others to show empathy, uh, to use and exercise some emotional intelligence and to have people call um, the trauma and tragedy that we suffer a public health crisis. And, you know, just looking at uh, the social impacts and exclusion Um, was very difficult. But I think the hardest part for me was uh, the biggest single challenge that I still face is that Black women in this space, especially CEOs, are very rare, especially in the gun violence prevention movement. When I started and what I'm doing, it's just all new, so it's kind of hard. Um, But what happens is, is there's so much money out there that larger organizations run by white men or white women um, typically get all of the funding and then they use what they believe is good for our communities by their informed research uh, not by me. I often have people tell me, well, this is what studies say that Black people need. Yeah, you might want to take a look. I kind of look Black because I am. So I think I know what I need. And so the biggest challenge is to have people stop telling me what I need. If you want to know what I need, ask me and I'll share it with you. It will be evidence-based, a holistic approach this evidence-based. Uh, and not only will it be a holistic ev- evidence-based approach, it's going to be what I know is needed for me not what you think is it what I need don't bring to me your solutions I'm happy to listen to them but understand mine first before you tell me what you think I should so the biggest challenge there is getting people to understand that I can I'm I'm a representative of me I don't send anyone ahead I can show up for myself just fine
0: right and you and you have the experience and you have the background so why not? use your research and use your knowledge to, to actually support you. Um, and you mentioned other, other Black women CEOs doing similar things. Do you, do you connect with each other? Um, do you try to connect with each other and group uh, to have a, a louder voice in this area? Well, when I started doing this um, again,
1: I, you know, it was just me in 2013 in the gun violence prevention movement. I'm not saying uh, in the community, right? Because there's nothing new under the sun. We're doing things differently. Everybody just, you know, we just claim things and put state and flags in the the ground um, when we're all uh, evolving constantly. Um, So I don't know of any um, black women that are, CEOs in the gun violence prevention movement at this point. I do know what happens is, is that everybody starts people that work together consistently with no issues become like it's like mortal combat. Like the the, the funding and the, the resources become some so scarce to our communities that we begin to see people turning against each other because they have to be better than this one or better than that one no one believes there's enough room for everyone at the top because that's what happens. Large organizations that are not run by people that are of color, uh, I don't think most do it intentionally. Some do. Uh, they they cause individuals to kind of divide and conquer, you know, and, and, and separate and and break up the work. And And it's just a very sad thing. It still does take a village. It's not just a saying. And, and leaders that there's a difference between leadership and a leader and i think that gets so confused just because people have titles that they're leaders doesn't mean that they understand leadership and so those are the bigger issues that we have um that that right that's
0: right now that's a big that's a very big difference between leaders and, and and leadership um and you mentioned that uh, the, you know, there's there's a, almost like a, a competition to try to get the funding and get the attention and all of that, and that happens uh, very often, especially with women in general as they climb the ladder, as they become more successful. There's less and less women at the top, and so it's almost like they're competing with each other because they they want to be seen and heard over the other one. Uh, so it makes it really really uh, hard to to be heard uh, in that space. Now, you also mentioned, um, uh, you know, a lot of people who get into this um, type of organization where they're helping others um, usually have a, have some experience and have a personal story themselves. And you mentioned that you have one. Um, would you like to talk about that a little bit? Sure. I mean, I'm,
1: I'm happy to share if it'll help. Um,
0: what would you like to know? Um, what, what in your personal experience, you said you started at 15, Uh, Was there a specific event or a series of events uh, around gun violence that um, uh, made you focus on that at such a young age? Yeah. Um, And so,
1: you know, just trigger warning. I want to make sure that your your listeners always um, have a, a fair warning of what that looks like most basis forget to be trauma informed. And so I know that you are, and, and, you know, some of the things that I'll share in this very few moment, a few moments, um, uh, are, are, are might trigger someone. But um, so at a very young age, I was born into trauma. And uh, I started off my, my twin sister, uh, she passed on, we were both in the same condition. And somehow I was uh, left here. Um, but my twin sister passed on, she passed on from malnutrition and dehydration. And so a very on in life abandoned and neglected and put into the system um, at six and a half months, about seven months old. And so between seven, five and a half, so years old, I was in that system. And those are the critical times in, in, in uh, an infant in a, uh, toddler's life, you know, as you begin to develop sensories and understanding what safety is and, you know, you just, I missed out on all of that. So it, like many others they have experienced the same thing and going from that directly into a more volatile situation um, where my biological father, who is deceased, um, would rape me daily. Uh, And I was exposed to that from five until 15 when I ran away. Uh, And there were a lot of other tragedies that were in between that. Um, You know, there was a lot of molestation uh, during my foster care time and a lot of movement, no stability. So there was just uh, quite a bit of trauma that I was exposed to. And it took for me to get really, I guess in my late (laughs) forties, when I finally had found the real balance of understanding my life and and how I had been impacted, not just by ACEs and and PTSD and all these things that we are familiar with now, but just um, as a woman. I find that there are so many of us with the same stories. And, you know, over the last several years, I've been meeting more gentlemen that have been exposing their experiences. And so my um, experience with trauma has been from birth until now. And so, you know, I've just used to feel like I was a glutton for pain, you know, who comes in this world in trauma lives through trauma. And then the first opportunity I get to start a great career, it's in trauma, like who does this, <laughs> but I begin to realize, like I said, later on in life that, you know, there's a calling for each one of us and some of us will answer the call and some of us won't. And I just happened to answer mine.
0: That's thank you for sharing your story. It's very courageous um it's really hard to do that but it really helps others come forward Uh, um as you said you know men are coming forward as well and sharing their story um i i had my kind of awakening uh in my 40s as well i realized that you know i was having what i called my mental breakdown and i realized that was all the impact that i had as a child was catching up to me and i had so much shame and guilt behind circumstances that were out of my control but I was afraid to talk about it because I was afraid that if I talked about it, they would take my kids or I'd lose my job or, you know, use my, lose my reputation. And it's, it's really hard to do that. But once I started speaking out like yourself, people just start coming forward and talking about it because it is, it's common, and and we need to talk about it, and we need to, to, you know, and that's the reason why I'm doing this podcast is to be able to talk about it and give other people strength that they bec- they can become successful and they can they can overcome and they can help others in in the type of the organizations that they're creating, such as yourself. So thank you, I appreciate that. So um, talk a little bit about the the training that you're doing around trauma. The U train um, is is it a a program? Um, and, and, you know, what type of uh, training and, and leadership development is, encompasses that program? So a lot
1: of it was informed by the work that I had been doing with a sustained equity group. Um, the organization that I created, uh, I named it Sustained Equity Group because I wanted to make sure that the name was purposeful, right? Uh, sustainability equity in a group. Like we're supporting uh, women. We do focus on uh, Black women, but we focus on women in general and and those that support the work that we do. Um, And so uh, many, many of the the, the women have had to endure some serious traumas. And if you visit the website, you could see under the the cohort that some of the women, um, um, such as uh, Crystal Turner in Ohio, her former son-in-law who is now in prison, murdered her uh, daughter and her younger son. And uh, she now has to raise her grandchildren with this man that murdered her children, that is behind bars and that has to say so in how those children are raised. And that is a very difficult thing. And she started her own nonprofit, and uh, starting her own nonprofit, limited resources, all types of people have called on her. You've seen her stunting for uh, then um, uh, President uh, Biden when he was running and all, you know, so many other people, she's always been called upon, but yet her organization does not get funded properly. She doesn't get the information she needs to run it or sustain it properly. Um, She's just used as a hidden figure or the help. Um, And then you've got, Shanika in Clark in in Norfolk, uh, Virginia. She experienced domestic violence where um, just, you know, had never really had any issues before until one day when her ex came in and um, pretty much kidnapped her and tortured her and ended up shooting her at close range in the chest and he laid down and um, died by suicide right next to her, her? their children were in the next room um, and nothing, no stories, no news, nobody's following that. And and so, you know, it, it, individuals like that, not having anybody to be there for them or um, support them. Uh, it, it's just countless stories. And you have so many women with all the same repeated stories. And that is that if someone in their family has an act of violence committed against them and death is the result, the first response is what did your child do or what happened, were they in trouble before? It doesn't even matter what they were, that's still a mother. There's no empathy. There's no support system. And a lot of these mothers are poor. And some of them get treated terribly by their employers. If they have to bury their child, they are expected to get right back to work because they, that company doesn't care because they think this is just another rip-rap young boy running around. In a, no, any, these things are not true. And so the, the organization is created to be a support mechanism. So I find... And then we we identify and uh, train and uh, position and support Women that are in the community in leadership roles doing this work. We want to make sure that they have the resources so that they can uh, work towards getting the funding, understand how to set up budgets. I mean, I still struggle myself. I am put in constant positions where I have to make the hardest decisions. And it's like, oh, Kayla, get on social media, do this and do that, communications and marketing. Are you asking me to choose between putting $25,000 or $30,000 into marketing marketing or putting it into the cohort so that the women can have the support that they needed so they can support others. Because I'm not just supporting these women. I'm supporting the women that they support. So we're, I have these national interactions where I'm responsible for hundreds of people that are responsible for thousands of people. Now, just think about what I'm saying. This cohort is teaching the backbone of America from my lens is the Black woman. We are consistently building. We're innovative. We're doing all this work without recognition, half the time without proper compensation. I mean, studies keep on showing that we're always underpaid. We're definitely not being put in leadership roles. And then when we are, it's like, oh, the first Black woman that just did this. It is 2022. That is something you probably should be a really afraid to say, you shouldn't say it, right? I mean, we're not dinosaurs. You're not (laughs) scrabbling us. So it's like, but the cohort is um, you train the Urban Training Research Advocacy Institute and Network. And it's meant to be um, a tool for leadership development and creating pipelines for uh, black women that are working in violence prevention, whether they be in the community, whether they're um, police chiefs or whether they are researchers and scientists or public health experts, whether they are analysts, uh, whether they are doing um, like podcasts and shows, there's no support. Like right now we have a great network. You know, I know if no one checks on me, our organization through SEG, we reach out to the Everyday woman that's doing extraordinary things. She's saving her family. She's saving the community. She's giving her employer all that she doesn't have. She is doing it all. And then she has nothing left. And so we are teaching these women the value of self first. You know, it's about building, investing um, in, in the growth and power, inclusion, and equity. Those are those are our big pie methods. Is if, it, if it's not rooted in those things, we're, we're not doing them. Um, but we teach um, trauma, what it is, what it's not. We teach self-care beyond the yoga mat and breathing. Uh, we then go into doing two weeks of applying those things. And then we go back into doing uh nonprofit, uh, how to run it, what is it, what not to do, Um, just all the intricacies of that day. We have a dual mentorship program where we uh, take that woman that is in the leadership cohort, and when she's done, we uh, pair her with another executive that is in uh, gun violence prevention and or not. And so there's a lot of work that I'm doing, and it's forever evolving, considering with Buffalo considering with the children that just happened uh, in Texas, considering the everyday carnage that we have to experience, the ladies that are in the cohort that work in it and just live in it, here's the harsh reality. They have to constantly see America respond to every crisis but theirs. And so they're reminded all the time that they don't matter. And so for me, I have to remind them that they do, because this is no longer just about black women. This is about leadership and standing up and saying, this is a human condition. This is about humanity. And so we better get it right this time, because if we don't, we're all gonna be in trouble. And that's- Wow, I think this you're- has been such a great show that we definitely, uh, Marisa, have to run soon because of what's happening with when we talk about Buffalo and Texas, I cannot believe we're running out of time.
0: Yeah, there's so much more we could talk about. Um, it, you know, there's so many organizations similar to yours or or in that space, right, of domestic violence and, and all kinds of um, similarities. And I that's one thing I tried to do when I started my business in 2019 was to give voice to all of those. And so um, there's so many, and I there, I would love to connect you all. <laughs> like that was my goal is to, you know, take all of these organizations and just think how powerful they can be if they all work together um but thank you we're out of time do you have uh how can people reach you i think that's more important than anything how can people reach you? um i do i hope that you're able to uh
1: provide that information for them to read but they definitely can go to sustainequity. equity uh, uh, dot org um, or they can reach me at kayla at sustain equity org and um i'm um, always looking for resources and volunteers, uh, funding. Um, We are the only one that I am aware of that uh, is a leadership development organization for violence prevention. We not just work with the community. We also work with going to government agencies, federal, state, and local. So we work with uh, police chiefs. We work with prosecutors. We work with, um, like, Doctors for America. We work with so many people, but we're still fighting for the funding because I'm a Black woman, so people still question, you know, can a Black person do anything without getting in trouble? Yes, we can, and just because we're Black doesn't mean that we represent everyone, so we don't don't, uh, really do much on social media. So it's very helpful when someone like you takes a leadership role and knows that sometimes you don't always just have to pull up a leader. You got to also know that there's some in front of you that might right. need for you to support them as well. So I appreciate you having my back on
0: that. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, well, that's the show. Thank you, everyone. I appreciate it. And uh, have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Women CEO in Reflection.